0: Redeemer, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn them to Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. We'll be looking at Ruth 1, verses 7
1: through 18. So Naomi set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me and with the dead. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, he said, no more. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for your word and for the way that you bless your people in worship. Thank you for not being a silent God. Long ago, in many times, in many ways, you were spoken to us by the prophets, and in these last days, you were spoken to us by your Son. And so we thank you that in Christ, all that you have decided to say to your people, you've said, and that your people need not look for new revelations, but we need to turn our hearts back to your living word. It is sufficient, it is powerful, it is alive, it is active, and it works. And so, Father, I pray that for this moment in time, that your word would work and that your people would be changed, and this would result in your glory and your honor. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So in 2017, ESPN did a tribute video for veterans. And it was a ton of videos edited and spliced together, and it was shown on SportsCenter. And on the video, there's uh, a teenager who gets to throw the opening pitch at what appears to be a major league playoff game. On that video, there's another family who uh, gets the privilege of coming on the field at William Bryce Stadium. Um, And when they get to the field, uh, there's a video that, that showed on the jumbotron for everybody watching. Now, here's the pivotal moment in those videos. The teenage girl throws the pitch, and the catcher catches it,
0: but he takes his mask off, and she sees that it's her father who's been at war. And you
1: see it on her face, like there is just complete silence. And then her mouth opens up, and then she starts to run for home plate to hug her daddy. That family, on the middle of the football field, on the video, it's a video of their father. And he appears to be in the Middle East, and he records this video, and he says, I love you, and I wish I were there with you, and I'll see you soon. And then right after he says that, the, the, the crowd claps, and then he walks out of the stands. And it, as soon as his family see him, like you, they're just shocked, they're, they're surprised, and they run to their dad.
0: Now, why? Why is it hard to look at those videos and not tear up? Empathy, compassion, gratitude, all of those things are kind of going on there. But I think beneath that, there's a desire in our hearts to be surprised. we want the normal ebb and flows of life in this world to pale in the back. We want to be surprised
1: by beauty. We want to be surprised by love. We want to be
0: surprised by reconnection. Here's a question that I want to put before you. If humans can coordinate this, where they're
1: recording this video when this guy is in Iraq, when they're working with administration at a college to get this particular family on the field, when they are in cahoots with all the, the, the military to make sure that that soldier arrives this day to be there for this surprise. If Major League Baseball can orchestrate all of these events for this soldier, for this family, for this teenager, To surprise her, here's the question, do you
0: think God can do that? Do you think God can orchestrate and plan and work
1: and execute and work out all the
0: details to surprise his people? Or if you put him in a box? You wake up today, you go to work, you do your job,
1: you come back home, you raise some kids, right? You just kind of get caught like in the, on the treadmill of life and life gets hard and kind of boring and mundane.
0: Do you think God is a God who wants to surprise? That's what
1: I think is happening in our passage. I got two points for you today, not three. I want to show you that the visit in Moab ends and it leaves Naomi bitter. And I want to show you that God surprisingly visits her and makes her life better. The visit in Moab ends and it leaves Naomi bitter and God surprisingly visits her. And he makes her life better. Now, I want to show you that the visit in Moab ends, and Naomi is bitter. And that's in verses 6 through 14a. If you weren't with us last week, let me give you a, a couple-sentence summary on what's happening in Ruth. Ruth, the book, opens up with, and this is real history, of a family. There was a man named Elimelech. His wife is Naomi. His sons are Malon and Kilion. There's a famine in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And they leave and go north, and then they go east, and then they go south to live in a land of Moab. Now, Moab is Israel's enemies. But the one thing Moab had going for them is when Israel did not have bread, they had bread. And so this family left Israel to go live in enemy territory And the way the book opens up it's supposed to be temporary they says they sojourned they were not supposed to put down roots and stay long and yet 10 years pass by and they're still in enemy territory and then something happens elimelech the husband dies and then malon dies and then kilion dies and so now you have a woman who's old naomi And now you have her widowed daughter in laws of her husband's, and you have this band of three women, and they're bound together not just by blood, but by suffering and
0: hardship. They're all widows. Now, here's what's happening in our passage they're leaving.
1: There are numerous ways to look at verses seven through 18 but there's a word here that i want you to pay attention to and it's this word return you see it in verse six she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of moab you see it in verse seven she set out with her daughters-in-laws to return to the land of judah you see it in verse eight but naomi said to her daughters-in-law go return each of you to your mother's house You see it in verse 10. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. You see it in verse 11. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. It's in verse 12. Turn back, my daughters, go your way. In other words, what the author of Ruth wants us to see is that this whole scene, it's about returning. It's about a journey. And the question is, one, why are they returning? And who will return with Naomi? Those are the two questions That we have to kind of unpack in this section and so look at the departure that's in verse seven so she speaking of naomi set out from the place where she was and in verse six where she was was perhaps in the fields of moab where she heard that there was bread in the land of bethlehem and so she's in the field and she hears this good gossip and in verse seven says from there like from there, she decided to leave. Now, it could mean that she's leaving Moab gener- generically, but I think there's a sense of urgency here. I think she hears that the Lord has visited his people and that, and that there's bread. And from that spot in the field, she's like, I'm out. Y'all going with me? And so she goes and she gets her two daughters in law and they decide leave. So it appears that there will be three leaving Moab headed for Bethlehem. And then you get to verses 8 through 14. It's what I'm calling the bargaining. And that's when Naomi is trying her best to release her two daughters-in-law from following her. She's driving the conversation there. And she appeals to three things. She says, first, you have families that you're united to by birth. Notice she says, don't go with me. Go back to your mother's house, your mother's houses, which could mean that, that their fathers are also deceased. But the first thing Naomi appeals to is like, hey, you have a relationship that is even deeper than yours with mine. We're, we're united by marriage You have families of origins that you are united to by birth. Go back to your mother's house. That's the first thing she tries to do. And then the second thing, she says, you're young. You can still go and find husbands in Moab, and you can still go and build your homes in Moab. Verse 9. And then she destroys any prospect that she can do anything to give them husbands
0: herself. He says, on top of this, it's too late for me. I'm too old. And if I were to get married and were not perhaps in
1: menopause, would you even wait that long
0: to marry sons that I've birthed? And then you notice the three become two. Look at verse 14. It
1: appears that Naomi prevails on Orpah. Notice what happens in verse 14. It says, Orpah kissed Naomi. And in verse 15, Naomi tells us that 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 was a parting kiss. Orpah kissed her and returned to her
0: family and to the gods of Moab. Now, what's the reason they were leaving on the surface? In verse 6, that she had heard in the fields
1: of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and had given them food. And so it feels like on the surface, the return to Bethlehem is a return for food. And Orpah is, she's like, all right, we got food in Moab. My mama in Moab. My potential to find a husband is in Moab because you can't have children. And so on the surface, it feels like Orpah is like making a very logical decision here. Carolyn Curtis has a book on Ruth, and here's what she writes. The narrator intends for us to see how sensible Orpah is. She displays good common sense and does what anyone reading the story for the first time expects her to do. She weighs the facts and submits to her mother-in-law's counsel. She is only following the logical trajectory of the evidence given thus far, and she's doing what she's been told. She heads back to Moab. I wanna make a case to you that Orpah is not the only one following human logic or common sense
0: or the logical trajectory of evidence in this passage. I think Naomi is. On the one hand, she is acting in faith. That's what I talked about last week.
1: She is in faith, she's hearing that there is bread, and so she returns. But I do think her faith is mixed with unbelief. Did you notice the contrast between what she pronounces
0: over her daughter's-in-law and what she says about herself.
1: Did you notice what she says? In verse 8, she says to them, may the Lord deal kindly with you. The word for deal kindly is one of the most important words in the Bible. It's the Hebrew word hesed. Gordon Clark Has a 288 page book on one word. Who does that, right? It's like almost 300 pages
0: on a word. Here's what it means it means that I'm gonna kind of listen to this guy, right?
1: Here's what he said about Hesed it's not merely an attitude or an emotion. It is an emotion that leads to an activity beneficial to the recipient. It is a benevolent action performed in the context of a deep and enduring commitment between two persons or parties by one who is able to render assistance to the needy party who in the circumstances is unable to help him or herself. And that, that is what Ruth is pronouncing over her daughters-in-law. You are barren. You are widows. You are grieving. May the Lord alone who is able to meet you in that place, may he treat you with his hesed. Now that is what she's pronouncing over them. But did you notice what she says about herself? Look at verse 13. It is exceedingly bitter to me that the Lord's hand has gone out against me. When she gets into Bethlehem, they call her Naomi, which means pleasant. She says, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. So two times in the space of of six or seven verses, her identity is bitterness, and yet she's pronouncing hesed over her daughter's-in-law? Do you see the disconnect She, too, is reasoning based on logic, based on evidence.
0: And what logic and what evidence is she saying this from? My life has been hard. I'm a widow. I don't have grandchildren. The Lord has taken every good
1: thing from me. And because he's done that in the past, his hand is on me now, and therefore, I see no future. That's how she can pronounce blessing over them, and at the same time, say that it's bitter to me. I'm bitter. Why? Because there's a disconnect. Orpah is not the only one looking at logical conclusions here. Naomi is.
0: You see, I think her intention here, at least on the surface, is just to go back to Bethlehem, maybe find somewhere to lay her head, eat her food, and die. Her dream for what her life could be is dead. Dead.
1: Langston Hughes has a famous poem, What Happens to a Dream Deferred? What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy
0: load or does it explode? You see, this is a dream deferred. Everything she wanted in life is gone. And she's in a space where she doesn't think it's going to get better. She maybe believes that God will give her the essentials. But I don't think she believes that God can
1: turn her mourning into dancing. I I think she wants to go to Bethlehem and survive. She has no category that
0: she can go there and thrive. Have you been there? When it's easy for you to bless God for others and to want his
1: goodness for your children and to want his goodness for someone else,
0: And yet, because of what you've endured, you don't think he can be good to you. And so you doubt and you're bitter. And those dreams are dying. And life is hard. That's where she is right here. He's bitter. Her better days are behind her, her God is tamed, her life is all but over. Her heart cannot be mended. And then there's a turn. God surprisingly visits her and makes her life better.
1: Naomi has her eyes set on bread in Bethlehem, and God is about to give her so much more. I want you to think about the contrast that's in the passage. Look at verse 14. It says that Orpah kissed Naomi... But look at 14b. What did Ruth do? Ruth clung to her. That word for clung, it's the same word in Genesis when it says, A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave or hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Ruth is saying, baby, this is a a covenant. Not of marriage, but of companionship. I'm not going anywhere. You are stuck with me, Naomi. I'm going to be like that lint that's on your favorite black dress that won't go away. I'm going to be like your shadow. Wherever you walk, I'm going to be right there to your rear. I'm going to be stuck to you like white on rice. I'm going to be like those burrs that you Get when you play in the field, and, and those little things that, that come off those plants that just stick to your clothing, which is actually a, a safety mechanism. It helps those plants flourish, that they, they attach themselves to people or animals, and they want you to be the host. They want you to carry their seeds everywhere, and then when you brush, your, brush them off and scratch them off, a new bloom blossoms. That Naomi is telling, I mean, Ruth
0: is telling Naomi. That that is the way it's going to be. You're stuck with me. I'm clinging to you. "And then y'all remember when Naomi
1: bargained with her two daughters-in-law where she was driving the conversation, and, and, and she was doing all the talking, and she gave them three reasons they need to stay: "Your mother, you're young, I can't give you nothing. Ruth says, okay, woman, it's my
0: turn. You gave me three reasons to stay. I'm going to make six promises to you. And what's the first one? He says, do not ever say to me again to leave you. You stop talking. And you stop talking about me leaving you. Don't say it again. Kill that noise. Second, where you go, I will go. Same country,
1: same city, we're going together. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Not only will I be in the same country or in the same city, but we're going to be in the same house. Whatever happens in the future, we're going to be dwelling together. Fourth, your people shall be my people. Not only the same city, same country, same house, but where are people at, right? You better get used to introducing me to everybody at the family reunions because I'm going to be there with you. I know I can go back to my mother's house, but I choose to come with my mother-in-law. Fifth, your God is my God. I'm not going back to the gods of Moab like my sister. I trust in the God that you ran from, the God God that you've been talking about, the God who has visited and has given his people bread because he's gracious and kind. I trust in that God who takes rebellion seriously but also gives grace to his people. Six, and where you die, I will die. I will be buried next to you. In other words, life and death, the two of us are linked forever. And this is a big deal, that not not even death will separate us. That one scholar says that this is a really big deal in ancient Near Eastern worship, that for the Moabites, it mattered that you were buried in Moabite land so that the Moabite deities could bring you into the afterlife. And for Ruth to be saying, no, I'm going to be buried next to you in your land. She is abandoning every single thing she's
0: learned about the gods of Moab. And then you get the icing on the cake. You remember when Naomi, may the Lord treat you kindly. Ruth says, Well, I got to may the Lord, I'm going to give to you. What's the may the Lord? Her may the Lord?
1: May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything
0: but death parts me from you. This is called self imprecation. And it's fairly rare in the Bible about 11 times. It's a scholarly way of saying what Ruth is actually saying, may the Lord take my life if anything but death separates me from you. That this condition always
1: relates to the future actions either by the speaker or for which the speaker will take responsibility for. God may punish the speaker if the latter fails on his promise. If, on the other hand, the promise is kept, the self imprecation is revoked automatically. When the phrase is used in other Mesopotamian sources, there is a reference to a gesture used when one takes the oath. They would touch their throat, signifying, may my throat be touched if I don't do this. That is what Ruth is saying to Naomi. May God himself
0: put his arms around my throat and kill me if I ever abandon you. That's important. Think about what God has allowed or has done Elimelech dead. Malon dead. Kilion dead. When Ruth says that, did you notice how Naomi responded? When she saw that she was determined. She stopped talking, She shut her mouth. This is Ruth literally laying down her life. In life, my life is not mine, I'm with you. And if I don't keep that promise, I'm dead. See, I think Ruth, I think Naomi is surprised. I
1: think she gets it. I think this is the silence, right? When the little girl sees her daddy sort of pull off the catcher's hat. And that that, that first split second where it's just shock and silence. See, I think that's what's going on here. I think when Naomi hears this and hears these words, I think she's understanding something. That God is not just visiting Bethlehem for bread. Notice what verse 6 says. She arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people. You see, I think this is a divine visitation.
0: This is God. Surprising Naomi. That God is going to use her to minister his Hesed. God is going to use this woman in her life to represent and mediate his love. God says,
1: surprise, you're not going alone. I'm giving you a person, a person who will stand by you, who will never leave your side. It's important to see that Ruth, left to herself, will be just like her sister, Orpah. That God has done a work of grace in Ruth's heart.
0: Do you see how beautiful and surprising this is? And I think this means at least three things for us. First, if you're bitter and afraid and numb, could you save some room for God to surprise you? Could you fight those feelings with believing that you're God and your Father?
1: And woo, and can love, and can give and provide all that you need. He's a God who surprises his people and changes the trajectory of our lives in a single moment. Philip Yancey, in his book, Where is God When, it's, when It Hurts? He writes about uh, this uh, leading medical professional by the name of Paul Brand. You might know his name. He's the pioneering physician when it comes to treating leprosy. For, a long, for, for thousands of years, we thought that leprosy um, was primarily about the, the rotting of the skin and the decaying of the tissue.
0: And he actually proved that, that leprosy It's so dangerous because it numbs pain. That for thousands of years, people thought that the disease
1: itself caused ulcers on the hands, the feet, the face that led to infection and ultimately loss of limbs. But his research established that, that the tissue damage results solely because the body's warning system of pain has fallen silent. And so he talks about following leprous patients. He saw one man reach down into a fire to pull out a potato, and the man felt nothing. A potato had fallen in a fire. He saw another man out there working in the yard, and and he had blood kind of gushing down his body because the shovel he was working with had a, a nail sticking out of it, and the man is working and digging and bleeding, and he doesn't anything. He talks about being with this kid who uh, tries to unlock this building and and takes his padlock and and tries to rip it off. And the the kid gets the padlock off, but but there's flesh like hanging and dangling and it's blood. And he realizes that that what's happening here is they can't feel pain. And he he couldn't get his mind around, well, how is it that, that they're losing limbs and losing digits and he followed, he he went into a, a leper's colony where the lepers slept, and he realized that that it was the rats. That the rats were coming in, and because they couldn't feel pain, because their bodies were disfigured, and because tissue was exposed, it was actually the rats that were eating their, their, their members off. And so then he came up with this brilliant idea that every person treated with leprosy must go home with a cat.
0: I'm serious, you can go read it. I'm not making this up. In other words, he's a pioneer. And then he writes about one of his
1: most famous patients. And her name was Mary Verghese. And she wasn't initially his patient. She was his medical resident. One other resident wanted to impress Mary, and so he took Mary out for a drive. And as they're driving, they're behind this bus for miles, and the driver gets impatient. And so he decides he's going to pass the bus so that they could go and have their picnic Well, he comes into the opposite lane of traffic, a car is coming, he thinks he's pushing, he's accelerated, and he's trying to veer back over in front of the bus. He thinks he's braking to get in front of the bus, but he hits the gas. He hits the gas, and the car goes over a ravine and down into an embankment. And he writes about Mary's face becoming so disfigured from cheekbone to cheekbone, that her legs lay there dangling, and, and, and Mary then had to be rushed to the hospital. And for months, they tried to see if she had sensation or feeling in her legs, and nothing was there. And so finally, Dr. Brand went to Mary. He says, Mary, I think you ought to take your medical profession seriously and continue your work as a doctor. And Mary's like, are you nuts? Like, like, what are you talking about? Look at me. I can't walk. I
0: can't move below my waist. And he writes about her spiraling into bitterness and despair. And then,
1: at his recommendation, she continued practicing medicine.
0: And the leper's patients. Whenever Mary was around, sympathy and understanding pervade.
1: That the hospital staff noticed that the patients, self-pity and hopelessness and sullenness seemed to fade. Only when Mary was around, the leprous patients whispered among themselves, about the wheelchair doctor who was more disabled than they were, whose face like theirs bore scars. And she eventually learned how to do surgery from a wheelchair with her two hands. And one day, Dr. Brand met her rolling her wheelchair between buildings and he asked her how she was doing. Here's what she said. At first, the threads of my life seemed so tangled and broken. But I'm beginning to see
0: the divine pattern in all of it." You get that? She sees the divine pattern. She found hope Rather than turning to the why of
1: tragedy, she turned towards God and asked to what end she learned to trust him to weave a new design for her life. And she went on to become the pioneer of physical medicine and rehabilitation in India and took charge of the first department of physical medicine and rehabilitation facility in India at the Christian Medical College.
0: Do you believe that your God can weave a new pattern, a new
1: design? The book of Ruth says yes. Secondly, Hesed is an innate characteristic of God and it's rooted in his divine nature. In men, Hesed is the ideal. But in God, it is the actual. Here's what that means. It means that if hesed is ultimately found in God, if we're graced to see it carried out in other people, by definition, it demands that we look past people,
0: right? Jay-Z said, I'm not looking at you rappers, I'm looking past you. That's how we're supposed to look at this passage. We're looking at Ruth, but
1: we got to look past Ruth. You got to hear. And here's what I think we ought to do with this passage. I think we need to make two substitutions. The first substitution is in Ruth's words. They're God's words or Christ's words. And in Naomi, who is the recipient I think we need to insert ourselves, ourselves when we become bitter, ourselves when we disbelieve. And here is what Jesus
0: says to his people. He says, stop saying that I've abandoned you. Stop thinking that I will ever leave you. Where you go, I'm going. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And my spirit is not next to you, but he's in you. And my people are your people. My father is your father, and I'm your brother. And my spirit is your God. And we're not going anywhere. And when you die, you'll die in me. I've tasted death. You don't die apart from me. You die in the Lord.
1: Which means that when you leave this earth, You're coming home with me, and I'm going to surprise you
0: with unimaginable joy. And I've gone to a cross. I've summoned all the curses. I've absorbed all of God's wrath to give you all of this. That'll change us, man. When we reflect on God's goodness and his steadfastness and his sticking together with us foreverness, see Jesus here. Finally, Hesed is the actual in God. But it is the ideal in humans. In other words, if there is someone near you hurting and bitter, this is what God is calling us to be. To draw near and to enter into it with them
1: and to walk with them in this That they
0: might see the hope that is ours in Christ. That's my prayer for us, Redeemer. God did not just visit Bethlehem and give them bread. God visited Naomi and gave her hope. May that be true for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we
1: bless you, and I do pray for those who might be embittered and hurting. Father, I pray that they would leave room to be surprised by you. Jesus, thank you for being and embodying this covenant loyalty that we see expressed in this passage. Make us a people that will journey with those who are bitter and hurting.
0: I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.